welcome to the Hell Project podcast. This is where I share all of the results of the research and reading that I've done on the doctrine of hell over the last few years. Uh, I defend the view that uh, without Jesus, we are all dead. Uh, This is the view called conditionalism, and I believe there's better news in it than the traditional understanding of hell. And I try to defend that here. The audio quality may not be that high as it's taken off my YouTube channel and unfortunately some of the streams do have technical glitches but I hope that you stick with it and uh, do let me know what you think, share, uh, get involved through Twitter or even comment on my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing back from you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another video from The Hell Project. A few videos ago I talked about Sheol and Hades and I based it around the parable of Lazarus and the rich man from Luke chapter 16. If you haven't seen that video I recommend that you do uh, pause this one, go and watch it um, as I'll be assuming a little bit of information from that video uh, specifically about what and where uh, Hades is. Um, This will be a little bit more of a detailed look at the parable and its main message and why it doesn't actually say that much about God's judgment, uh, specifically about hell as we think of it. So this is the passage. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day and at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes, saw Abraham far off, and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you are in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they come also into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone else goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Before we really dig into this passage, it's important to think of the context where this passage actually fits. Oftentimes, discussion around doctrine uh, gets caught up in single verses, what we call proof texting. And we forget that, A, we don't naturally communicate in single verses, and B, we can make a single verse say whatever we want it to say. Uh, And so that we need to really look and dig into scripture, the whole passage, to see what each verse actually means. If you want an example of that, see my response to Bill Weiss, who often takes single verses 
to mean what he wants them to mean about hell. The purpose of the book of Luke, so the whole context of this passage, is uh, f- so someone can have certainty in what they've been taught in the uh, taught about Jesus. And that's how Luke starts, and it's specifically written for a Jewish audience. So there's a lot of uh, assumptions made in the text that the audience would know what Luke is talking about from his own Jewish perspective. And so the passage itself, Luke 16, is a series of parables, stories with meaning, uh, particularly pointed to the audience that Jesus is speaking to at the time. And Jesus, at this time, the passage uh, says that he was dining with Pharisees, and Pharisees being the religious leaders of the day, uh, and they would have known what his stories were intended to do. They are intended to point out something uh, true, while using imagery and uh, a really interesting technique of of teaching. And so the Pharisees were educated, elite, they could well have been wealthy, and uh, they were also renowned for ignoring the plight of the common person, the the people who were poor. Um, And they would often see the people who were poor as unclean and unable to access God's presence or even... uh, the temple where where God's presence would have been. If you engage with the hell debate online, there are people who teach that this is a true story. Lazarus is a real man. You'll meet him when you go to heaven. And this whole picture is a story about hell, the the place where you go to after judgment. Um, Though these videos may well be well watched and the a lot of people seem to be accepting that. The majority of commentators would agree that this is a parable, a story, uh, rather than an actual event that Jesus was talking about. And there's a few things to really notice, and and most of it is to do with the context. There's two other stories, two other parables in this chapter, and both start with, or start in the same way, as Lazarus and the rich man does. It starts with, there was a man, or there was a rich man. And it would be odd for Jesus to use exactly the same style of teaching to suddenly transition into a real event. And there's also a really vague rule that people seem to assign to this passage. It is the only parable where Jesus uses a real name. And so for some reason, people think that is a rule that this is a true story. Well, Lazarus does have a meaning. It means God helped me. Uh, or God helps me, or God is my help. So it could well be that there is some underlying assumption about that name, uh, rather than it being a rule to say that this is a true story. Now it's important that we know what parables are for, and why Jesus actually used them. And so uh, he actually explains to the disciples in in another gospel, uh, Matthew, In chapter 13, he says that the spiritual truths are hidden in plain sight, that those who are wanting to seek God uh, humbly and wanting to learn will be able to access the truths hidden within these stories. 
And he quotes in Matthew 13, he, he links to Isaiah 6, verse 9 to 10. He says, This people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So there's something about their hearts, at least in the sense of uh, Jesus' audience, that those who don't hear the truth in these parables, their hearts are closed off to God. They've rejected God's truth. And throughout the Bible, there is a tension between God's sovereignty and humanity's free will. It's actually on us. It's our responsibility to seek God, and therefore God will meet us. And there's lots of pictures of that, of the tension between the two, uh, and it might seem paradoxical, but the Bible is quite happy holding those two things in tension. And that's what I do. And, and so what I would say as you go through parables, ask about the Holy Spirit to show you the truth that is hidden in these stories. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 is Jesus saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If the, G if the teachings of Jesus don't make sense to you, Potentially, you need to humble yourself, maybe. You need to realize you could be wrong. Ultimately, you need to pray for the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you can understand what Jesus is teaching. And so Jesus teaches these parables, um, and he uses imagery, metaphor, and in the, the case of the rich man and Lazarus, it might even be he's using known rabbinic tales of the time, Jewish tales of the time. And this is argued, if you want to see my sources for that, uh, you can do so on, on the hellproject.online where I'll, write the, I'll share the script of this video as well as all the sources that I have. Kenneth Bailey, author of Jesus uh, Through Middle Eastern Eyes, says that parables are an extended metaphor and as such it is not a delivery system for an idea but a house in which the reader listener is invited to take up residence. If the parable is a house in which the listener reader is invited to take up residence, then that person is urged by the parable to look on the world through the windows of that residence. What is Jesus telling us about our lives and the world around us? Ignoring the poor at your gate and in your town is a sinful thing to do. As Christians, we're called to look after the poor. Throughout the whole of the Bible, we see over and over and over again God's desire to serve the poor, to lift up the broken, to heal those who are hurting. And the church should be those at the forefront of that. And often throughout history, it has been. We also see that throughout the New Testament, there is teaching that's consistently talking about the difficulty the rich and the wealthy will have in accessing heaven. Because of lack of generosity, wealth will harden our hearts towards God and make it so hard for us to humble ourselves and see that we have a desperate need for a saviour. But it's also clear throughout scripture that being poor won't necessarily save you, while being rich won't necessarily condemn you. But it could be argued, I suppose, that the salvation of the poor man and the damnation of the rich man is assumed that one was righteous and the rich man wasn't. But that has to be assumed from the text rather than being explicit in the text. And I'm, I am certain that salvation wasn't exactly Jesus's point in this parable. 
What he is warning about is God's anger towards those who do not lift up the poor, who do not serve those in the community and actually put barriers in the way from them accessing God's presence, which is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Now, if this is a known tale at the time and a rabbinic tale, then the Pharisees would expect the rich man to be in paradise. That is what was expected, that wealth was a sign of righteousness. But Jesus flips that story on its head. So in verse 24, the rich man says he is in agony in fire and asks for Lazarus' finger to be dipped in water to cool his tongue. Many who see this as a literal picture of hell start then discussing about what kind of body uh, the rich man must have, what kind of body the wicked must have in hell. They start looking at Mark 9 and the unquenchable fire of Gehenna. And that's such a leap from the word Hades to then start looking at the lake of fire. The two things are separate in two different times. And so we we need to be really careful we're not reading in other ideas into this passage which happens so often Gehenna is different from Hades if you want to see why look at the videos that I've done on the language of hell the main point here is that the rich man is extraordinarily arrogant he despite his situation and torment he wants to drag Lazarus down to to torment so that Lazarus can dip his finger in water uh, and drop put droplets on his tongue. Now I've heard all sorts of extreme translations of this, but this is the the height, the peak of arrogance that despite my situation, I'm going to ask someone else who's clearly had a life of suffering to serve me and uh, help me out of my own torment when they may well be in torment of their own. And so the blindness to his own situation and then the arrogance to suggest that Lazarus should then go to his brothers, return to the life that he had uh, just to save this guy's brothers, that is all incredibly arrogant. The rich man is so fixated on himself that he would rather pull Lazarus down than be lifted out up to paradise. And Abraham's response to the rich man is that there's no way for the rich man to get out. The final call for Abraham's intervention brings us to the main point. If someone cannot hear scripture, the Moses, the law, the prophets, that they all point to salvation, then they're not going to hear about someone rising for the dead. That is the main point of the New Testament. Jesus is pointing to himself. The Pharisees can't see for their love of money and their love of the law that the one who will set them free and give them access to heaven is standing right in front of them and and also saying that even if he was to raise himself from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. That's a far more interesting point and a far more powerful point than just talking about the afterlife and how we might, might not get there because we're rich or we're poor. And so looking at that last line is so vital to understanding the whole parable. The rich man is a picture of the Pharisees who neglect the poor at their feet, set up barriers to God and then expect themselves to be so righteous that they will end up in paradise. So in summary, this parable isn't about the afterlife as such. It's more about watching out for the love of money and how that can stop us from accessing God's good presence and his will for us. And actually the whole law and the prophets can be summarized in love God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And this is clearly a teaching about that, that we need to be aware of what the law says, aware of what the prophets have said, but ultimately trust in Jesus and serve our neighbor. That is the point, and the Pharisees were clearly not doing that. Now, you might say, surely, that this is even just a little bit about hell. And my answer is not really. The closest this passage can point to is the space between death and resurrection called Hades, the intermediate state. And if taken literally, then maybe we should be aware that there's some consciousness, that there's some torment, or there's time with Abraham before judgment. Now, I think there might be some issues with that view, um, but we have to take this whole passage with its context to get the main meaning. And it doesn't mean eternal suffering. If we want to talk about eternal suffering from this passage, we have to read that into the passage, which isn't a good way of reading the Bible. We see that the rich man's brothers are still alive while he is in torment. That means that judgment hasn't happened yet. The resurrection that we hope for hasn't happened yet. And therefore we cannot gain any insight into what hell really is from this passage. So to conclude, I will agree with the Gospel Coalition here who hold a completely different view. They hold to eternal conscious torment. They say this about the parable. The most important lesson this parable teaches is a warning about money. Wealth calcified the rich man's heart. Though wealth doesn't always have this effect, who can deny that it often does? As many have realized, either we will own our money or it will own us. You cannot serve God and money. As Jesus said a few verses before in Luke 16 verse 13. I hope that you will see that money will not save you but Jesus can and that is the hope he has returned from the dead to tell us that there's this hope that he has died to save the world and we can have that salvation if we believe in him and that is what this channel is all about the hope that we can find salvation in Jesus and without that salvation we would all be dead and so that's what this channel is I hope that you've enjoyed this video keep reading keep digging in and that's what I'm doing as well. I'm still learning and I hope you'll continue to learn with me as well. Thank you for watching. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening and I want to know what you think. Do get in touch. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, you can do that through uh, Twitter or my YouTube channel, but I also have the scripts and free resources and other studies that I'm continuing to engage with at uh, thehellproject.online. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the channel and uh, the show in any way, please do go into the description of this episode and you can find a PayPal link. Otherwise, I do this all for free and I hope you found it helpful. God bless you. See you later.